We're in the third week of a series that we've been calling The Table. And I told you, I don't think there's a more beautiful picture of the local church than The Table. Everything that the church should be, everything the church could be, and the Bible references the power of a table many, many times. And I've showed you a picture every week of the series. That's the table in my house. Matter of fact, Jason built that table for me. Jason, raise your hand. That's my neighbor right there. Jason built that table. You've seen that table the last couple of weeks, and I told you that that is my favorite room in my house because life happens in that room. Gatherings happen in that room. Laughter happens in that room. Tears are shed in that room. Community happens in that room. I love that table. I love that room. But at the end of the day, that table's just a table and that room is just a room. If we don't function around that table and we don't function in that room with some guiding principles, if you will. And I told you that as I was listening one day, I was sitting in my office and I was bored. I was just thinking about that table and thinking about things that are important to me. I started listing out some things that I think are guidelines in our home. And as I was listing them out, I couldn't help but smile because I got to think about those are the guidelines also that make Action Church, Action Church. Make no mistake about it today, in our community, we should be the table. This should be the place that life happens. It's always funny to me when people find out all the stuff we do in this building. This is not Action Church. This is the Action Building. We do tons of stuff in this building. We put concerts on in this building. We have MMA fights in this building. We have um, wrestling shows in this building. We run a shelter out of this building. AA meetings happen in this building. Uh, Canton is going to be given the bird this Thursday out of this building. Stuff happens in this building. Weddings happen in this building. Birthday parties happen in this building. Whatever crazy idea I come up with next is going to happen. Investigating recently, does anybody remember roller derby? Man, like roller derby. I'm like, this would be a great roller derby thing. I, I haven't really mastered the art of that yet, but I think it would be awesome in this building. And it just seems very redneck, and I like that. Um, my point is, is, life happens in this building. It's the action building. It's the place where the community gathers. It, it's important to me that... Nonprofits in this community, whether it's Bethesda Community Clinic or even the Action Food Pantry or, again, the shelter, people know, man, there's a place here, and they can gather together, and it can be a hub of their activity. It's the table. (laughs) And over the last few weeks, we've talked about our table and the guidelines about the table, and we've talked about some things that that are just non-negotiable about Action Church. A lot of new people here recently, and we are so glad to have you. This might be the statement that runs you off, though. There's just some things that are non-negotiable around here. There are some things that it doesn't matter how much money you have or, or how much uh, Christianese you know. You're, we're just not going to change because we are who we are. We do what we feel God has called us to do. We don't think we are better than any other church. We just think we have a very unique vision to be a church for the city, in the city. When we see a need, we meet a need. That, that's what we live out. We're, we're, we're never going to be a church that is about youth groups and small groups and Sunday school and men's ministry and women's ministry and all these different things. We gather together on Sunday to celebrate and then we serve our community the rest of the week. 
That's what we do. When people have a passion in this church, they, they, not me, they go make that happen. I, I don't have a passion to have a food pantry. But we have people in this church that have a passion for that. I don't have a passion to open up our doors when it's below 32 degrees and allow people to come up here and say we have people in the church that have that passion. So people come to me and they have all these things. Hey, Gary, you know what you should do? No, I don't do anything. Let me tell you what I have a passion for. I have a passion to get up here on Sunday morning and teach the word of God in a simple way where those who don't do church or those who don't know God can understand what the Bible says. That's my passion. So I do what I'm called to do and you do what you're called to do. And the amazing thing about that is we become the body of Christ because the Bible refers to us as a body. And the body has a lot of different moving parts that make it the body. There's some fingers to the body. There's ears to the body. And some people got to be the ears and some people got to be the fingers and some people got to be the, the foot. I like to call it the, the ass kickers around here. You know, when, like, you know, some people just got to whoop some people every now and then. Somebody asked me the other day, he said, Man, this guy's talking a lot of smack. What do you think your people are going to do? I said, I'm not responsible for what my people do. I'm just the pastor. Well, what can I do? My job is just to love people. If they love them by breaking their kneecaps, you say, well, that's not very Christian. Well, I don't know, man. Just saying. Some people are the, I don't know the different functions of the body. Some people are the belly, I guess. I don't know. You just show up when we eat around here. I don't know. Some of you are the ass around here. I get it. It is what it is. We love you. Got to have that. That's a vital part of the body. But we have some guidelines that make us who we are. The first week we said you need to understand something about the table is everyone is welcome at the table. Let me make this very clear to you. Everyone is welcome at the table. Mature Christians, you're welcome at the table. You need to understand we didn't build that table for you, but you're welcome at it. If you want to come here with a missionary mindset, we'd love to have you. But everyone's welcome at the table, regardless of the color of their skin, their social standing, their sexual preference, whether they vote red, blue, black, or white, they're welcome at the table. That would never be up for debate around here. I love the fact that in this church we have people that have been 25 and 30 and 40 years, Doug Knight, 79 years in his faith. He didn't even become a Christian until he was 50. And then we got people that don't even believe there's a God. I love that. Welcome. Everyone's welcome at the table. We said the second week, there's always room for one more at the table. We said we'll never not have room for one more. Matter of fact, that everything we do is for that one more. We talked about the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son and how the shepherd lost the, left the 99 sheep to go after the one and the lady didn't worry about her nine coins. If you missed that, you can go to actionchurch.tv or you can go to your podcast app and listen to that podcast. We said we're always about the one. We don't do church for you. We don't do church for me. We do church for them. We're never going to be an insider-focused church. It's just not who we are. We want to be the church that's your craziest friend that wants nothing to do with God. You can be like, man, come on, you'll fit in here. A fair thing is to say, I come in that church, the roof of cave in. Don't flatter yourself, baby. Don't flatter yourself. Broke, busted, and disgusted people. Hurts, habits, and hang-ups. That's who we created this church for. I love those principles. But at the end of the day, if you're going to have those principles to invite people to your table, don't miss this. 
What you serve at the table is important. At the table in our home, the food that we serve matters. We're not going to invite you into our home and not give you our best. If you've been invited to our home to share a meal, you can rest assured that my wife is slaved all day long. I've run the smokers all day long. Something has went on all day long to make sure that the food you're about to sit down is been created and made with love. Something Food made with love just hits different. If you're from the South, you get that. Now, Yankees don't get that because they don't know nothing about food with love. Southern people get that. They understand that you got to have the right buttermilk when you dip that chicken in it before you fry it. They understand that you don't open a can of biscuits, you make those jokers from scratch, and they look like cat heads on top of it. Mm. They understand that them green beans better be cooked for at least seven hours. My wife made some soup the other day. I called her. I said, are we having soup? And she said, yeah. I said, it's 5 o'clock. You already put it on? No. I said, you don't make soup in an hour? Soup's got to cook all day. I don't know why it's got to cook all day. Maybe it's because I don't know why, but that's just how it's made. It's good that right. It's good that way. Don't come to me with no Walmart cake. With all due respect. Now, listen, listen, listen. I'm fat. I'll eat some Walmart cake. But don't invite me to your home and tell me you've invited me to your table and you've got a Walmart cake out there. I want that made from scratch. That seven layer. With the hot fudge in between. You suck the toothpicks all in it to make holes so when the hot icing hit it, it sucked down into the cake. We haven't church today. Mmm. You really know when you eat in a southern home, I didn't know this, but when you eat, my mom used to have folks over. I knew it was a fancy meal because she made two meats. Like we'd have fried chicken and ham. I don't know why, it was just like that minute we was fancy. We'd have country fried steak and chicken. I don't, I, it was always two meats. When there was two meats, man, we had some guests over that were important. They were going to gather around the table. Hmm. I need you to understand something. In the same way, the food we serve here at the church is important. I need you to understand something today. It's real easy to get caught up in the way that we do church and miss out on the food that is served. We don't do church like a lot of people. Here's the deal. If you come to this church, you're probably going to hear me use some four-letter words. You're not used to preachers using because I'm the same person on stage that I am the rest of the week. The people in this band are going to probably sometimes reek of a little bit of bourbon because they've been playing in bars all night Saturday and got up early to come here and lead you in worship. We don't do fake around here. But I need you to understand something. We don't do that because we think it's cool. We just do it because it's who we are. But at the end of the day, none of that matters if the word of God, if the food that is served is not biblical. At the end of the day, this is the food that we serve. And at the end of the day, 
Well, I love everything we do around here. I love that we serve our community. I love that we have a great worship team. I love that the kids, I don't really know what happens over there. Rick Cope's over there teaching, so it can't be that. that, I don't know what happens over there. (laughs) I don't know. But the kids seem to like it. (laughs) I just don't know better. But at the end of the day, the most important thing that happens around here, whether I'm doing it or someone else is doing it, is the Word of God being opened and the Word of God being taught and the Word of God being applied to our lives. The Word of God has the ability to change our lives. The roadmap for success is found in these pages. The answers to whatever questions you're asking are found in these pages. And so today I just want to give you a reminder service. If this is your first service, this is going to be a way different service. I'm going to be so practical today that it might seem a little weird. I'm going to create some things or I'm going to teach you some things that, that might seem like common sense, but they're things sometimes that we forget about when it comes to the Word of God. We intentionally taught this series in the month of November because they say November is the least likely time that people are, are open to trying a new church. So normally it's insiders. I thought, man, this would be a great vision series, and here, lo and behold, we got a bunch of new people. So you're kind of getting a peek behind the curtain today. You get to go to the big Emerald City and see the wizard behind the stage and realize he's just a little fat guy back there moving a bunch of gadgets. But sometimes you need reminders because here's the problem when it comes to vision. Vision leaks. I always equate it like a helium balloon. You know, your kids have a birthday party and they have helium balloon and the balloon gets loose and it's up in the ceiling and all of a sudden one day it just starts to leak out. You never see it start to fall. It just kind of falls. Vision leaks. That's why when Nehemiah was uh, casting vision to the people of Israel 52 days in, he had to get back up and recast the vision. Excuse me, he had to do that 62 days in because they rebuilt the wall in 52 days. Halfway through, 26 days, not even a month later, he had to get and say, hey, hey, don't forget what we're trying to do. We're trying to rebuild the wall. So I think it's important every now and then that we get back up and I remind you why we exist around here. We exist for outsiders, and we've talked about that, but we also exist because we believe the Word of God is life-changing and it needs to be served. The Bible says this in John 6, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is the answer to whatever it is we're doing. It's not denominationalism. It's not traditionalism. It's not the way your granny used to do it when you were growing up. Jesus is the answer. It's not man-made rules. It's not religion. It's Jesus. The Bible says in John 16, when I am the living bread that came down from heaven, whoever eats this bread will live forever. For it's my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Bible says in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Jesus says he is the bread, and yet he is now left and returned to heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit to indwell us, but he has left the word of God to empower us, to guide us, and to direct us. And I feel like we live in a day and time where people are looking everywhere and anywhere for answers except the Bible. And what I don't think we understand is just how incredibly fascinating this book is. 
It's the best-selling book in the history of the world. Did you know it's also the most shoplifted book, the most smuggled book in the history of the world? Smuggled into countries all over the world where it's outlawed. People give their life just to have pages of this book because of the truth that's found in it. And the reality is it's not just one book. It's actually 66 different books wrapped up in one book. It contains 7,732, 692 words. It would take the average person start to finish about 70 hours to read this book out loud. It's written by all different sorts of people. It was written by politicians, statesmen, farmers, shepherds, peasants, musicians, poets, even tax collectors. And we know what the Bible says about tax collectors. It was written in all different places. It was written by Moses in the wilderness, by Jeremiah in a dungeon. It was written by Luke while traveling and Paul while he was in prison. It was written by John while he was in exile on an island. Written in 13 different countries on three different continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. Written in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic. And what's amazing is even though the Bible was written by all these different people in all these different places, over a span of about 1,500 years, it has amazing consistency and amazing accuracy. It has one message throughout the entire book. God is coming. First four books of the New Testament is he has come. The rest of the New Testament is he's coming again. There's one good guy, God. There's one bad guy, the devil, throughout the book. There's one person needing saving, mankind. There's one plan throughout the Bible. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This book is consistent in preaching the message of grace. It's a book of God using messed up people to do great things. Isn't it funny that we as the church, especially here in North America, have created this weird image of what Christians ought to be? It's almost like they should be perfect. They should be flawless. The pastor should be without it. It's so funny in my neighborhood when people find out I'm a pastor, because I don't normally introduce, I mean, if I never introduce myself as a pastor, but it normally leaks out. When I see you beating your kids at the pool, you did see me beating my kids at the pool. They needed it. Didn't I hear you cussing and raising cane? You did hear me cussing and raising cane because that's just what I do. Didn't I hear you were involved in blah, blah, blah controversy? You did hear I was involved in blah, blah controversy. I don't even know what blah, blah controversy was, but I guarantee you I was involved in it. Because God uses messed up people to fulfill his perfect plan. The Bible is the word of God. Not only is it consistent, not only is it true, not only is it inspired, but I think what's so amazing to me about the Bible is it speaks on so many different topics. Everything from marriage, divorce, remarriage, adultery, sex. Did you know there's an entire book of the Bible talking about sex? If you've ever went to church here, you know that because I've taught on it. You say, what book is that? Maybe I'll teach on it. Phil gets really mad when I teach on it. Lust, greed, materialism, generosity, healing, hope, forgiveness, parenting, prayer, friendship. Oh, did you hear what I just said? I said it talks about parenting. 
You want to know why so many of you have so many problems with your kids? Because you don't follow this book when it comes to parenting. Oh, but that's a different subject for a different day. Talks about money. I know no one wants to talk about that, but it talks about money. Criticism, creation, government, miracles. It talks about love, hate, submission, rebellion, peace, leadership, comparison, joy, discontentment, delayed gratification, sacrifice. Any topic you can come up with, this book has the answer to. Even talks about cats. Well, it talks about the devil, so same thing. Same thing, same thing. It's a life-changing book. Someone asked me one time, they said, do you really hate cats? Yes, I really hate cats. The Bible says the enemy walks around like a roaring lion. The lion is part of what family? You trust a cat in your house. I ain't never had a dog sneak up behind me on the couch and try to attack me, but a cat will. From the pits of hell. I don't think I'll be back. Well, okay, cat lady, that's fine. Sorry you don't have a sense of humor. Listen to me. There's no greater way to get to know God, his character, his nature, his goodness, and the life... And the life that he has for you, then to get into the word. The Bible says that this book is alive. Someone said, what does that mean? Here's the way I think that means. I think it means whatever you're going through, it's just a lie. The answers are there. It speaks to us in that moment. I hear people say, I don't really believe in the Bible, so I don't read it. Because they don't read it, they don't do what the Bible says. And here's what I tell you, it doesn't even matter if you believe there's a God. The principles in this book are life-changing. People tell me, I tried to read the Bible and it was boring. If you don't know how to read it, I can understand that. And that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to show you practically how to go through this book. So I say, it's going to be a different type of message today. Not a lot of hooping and hollering and laughing and cutting up and personal stories. It's just going to be very practical today. Because I think what happens is, is we have access to this book. So much so that we take it for granted. Man, do we not do that with people all the time? People that are good to us, they're so good to us, that, and they're so loving to us that, 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 that we get and we forget how good they are because their goodness becomes normal. I think we forget, especially in America, the power of this book. I had a wedding to do recently, and I had forgot to bring this book home, this Bible home, this particular Bible home. I like this Bible because I've always, I just, I've always preached from a red Bible that holds my pages the way I want it, and I forgot it. So I went downstairs to get another Bible, and it, and it almost convicted me when I walked downstairs to that room and I had two shelves of Bibles. Some countries like China, it's illegal to own a Bible, and I got two shelves of them. And I think we have so much access to the Bible sometimes that we forget the power of the Bible. 
the latest and greatest book comes out by the latest and greatest guru, and I love to read books. I love the latest and greatest gurus. We get all excited about what the latest guru says, and it's so funny. So many times I'll go to Chris and be like, this guy's saying this, this, and this. I said, man, don't you realize all that's in the Bible? She'll come to me and be like, did you hear what so-and-so said about this? I said, yeah, man, the Bible says that. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes there's no new thing under the sun. The principles to life change always, whether they realize or not, can be translated back to the Bible. But the reason we don't study the Bible as Christians is, let's be honest, we simply don't know how. It's intimidating, and I get that. It can be overwhelming, and I get it. You can read stuff, and stuff will not make sense to you, and I understand that. People have good intentions. I'll preach on the Bible, and I've done it here a thousand times, and people get excited, and they'll start reading the Bible, and they start with zeal. Normally, people go about two different methods of reading the Bible. The first is they'll start in Genesis. And Genesis is good. It's how the world was created, and they're into it, man. It's good. I mean, man, there's, cra- there's brothers killing brothers. There's incest going, man. It's like, man, it makes Game of Thrones look PG. And people are into it. Then you get over to Exodus, and man, Exodus is good. Moses is doing his thing, and he's setting the people free. And Man, he, he's turning the rivers into blood, and making frogs come down. People are into it. Man, Genesis is good, and Exodus is good. And they get to Leviticus. And it gets real weird real quick. And if you don't understand the context of it, it, it can be over your head. And I've watched it, Genesis 8. They get to Leviticus, and they peter out. It's overwhelming to them. They don't understand it. So I don't always tell people to start reading the Bible that way. And, and then there's, there's the, uh, what I like to call the lucky dip method. The lucky dip. Say, what's that? It's when you open the Bible and point to something and you read it. And it works good sometimes. But then sometimes you open it up to like Ezekiel 4.12 and it says, you shall eat as a barley cake, baking it in their sight on human dung. And you're like, what? <laughs> oh, huh? I'm supposed to eat a cake that was cooked on dung? <laughs> dung. I see a lot of kids in the service today. I want to translate that word dung for you. You Pickens County people, that means crap. And you're like, man, I don't know about the lucky dip method anymore. You're kind of in a weird place, and it doesn't work. And so what happens is it starts as zeal, and we're excited about it. But just like anything in life, you've got to have a plan to reading the Bible. I shared this with you recently because I've shared this with you 72 other times in the 10 years I've been your pastor. So I start off really good. I told you I really felt like in my life I need to get disciplined. And I, the area that I'm the least disciplined in is my health. And I felt like, man, I need to get that dialed in. If I can get disciplined in that area, all the rest of it. So I hired a, got a food plan and a trainer. I'll start tomorrow. You say, start the week of Thanksgiving? Yeah, I might as well start sometime. Why not? My logic is I can do it for three days and break it on the fourth day because I'm weak on Thanksgiving, and that's a good way to ease in. But I got to have a plan. When you're chasing the career you want in life, you got to have a plan. When you're going after that girl, 
when you're married and you were going after that girl, you don't realize you had a plan, but you had a plan. You had some, they, they call it game. You had game. I, Christine always jokes that my game was that I had no game. So she's probably right. Good news for me, she was desperate. It's all through the fact that I had no game. <laughs> what contest in hell did she win? So coming up on 10 years. Pray for her. <laughs> we got to have a plan. So when it comes to the Bible, why wouldn't you have a plan? So we're going to get real practical today, and we're going to get out here real quick. First thing we're going to do sounds simple. But we're going to choose a translation you understand. This is important. You say it sounds so simple, but it's not if you don't know about different translations. It's not simple if you just walk into, I don't even know where you go buy a book and where they even have Christian bookstores anymore. Because here's what most of us do, especially in the South, even though we don't read the Bible and we haven't been in church in decades, we at least as a kid grew up in church and Granny probably told us there was one version of the Bible and it was the King James version of the Bible. I went to Bible college where you learned in the King James Version, beautiful version of the Bible. Beautiful language. Almost poetry in words as you read it. But try reading it today. Here's one of the verses. For we have such great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are fresh by thee, brother. Where therefore that I might, though I might be much bold in Christ, to enjoin thee in what is convenient. Anybody translate that for me? Mm-mm. You know why? Because the King James Version of the Bible was written in 1611. How many of you have teenagers now? My teenagers speak a different language than I spoke 15 years ago. <laughs> Had a kid over at my house the other day, and they said, man, you got riz. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if they meant I had dandruff. I had like a booger hanging out my nose. I didn't know what riz was. Apparently riz, because I went to the Urban Dictionary online, because I'm old. <laughs> means charisma. I didn't even know a kid knew what charisma was. So I got riz. It is what it is, don't wait. My point is language changes. So imagine how much language has changed since 1611. The way the translators would translate the Bible is they would look at the words in the original language, Hebrew, Greek, and they would put the appropriate word for that day in it. The reason they use the word bowels is because in those days, they used to believe you felt emotion in your bowels. We would use the word heart today. It's like you feel emotion in your heart. There's over 3,000 different translations just on the version app. You say, what's version? version is probably one of the greatest apps ever on your phone. If you do not have it, you should download it. It's called version. It's free. A church in Oklahoma called Life Church created it. It's amazing. Every translation of the Bible you could ever have, tens of thousands of Bible studies on there. Think about that. You had the access to everything. Where's Doug Crumbly? 
Where's Doug at? Doug. So Doug has been attending Action Church. Doug used to pastor a church in Ackworth. When I lost everything, I went to Doug's church. He loved on me when I was unlovable. Doug is transitioned in life now, and he's a, he's a businessman. He's moved to Woodstock, and he's been attending church here. Doug, in the old days, we would have spent tens of thousands of dollars to have our pastoral study have the books that you get for free now in version. It's amazing the access you have. It's amazing. There were 3,000 translations. So you got to start with a translation you understand. There's thousands of, I'm just going to tell you the ones I recommend because I think they're the ones for our day and time. That I, I, there's the NIV. That's the New International Version of the Bible. There's the NLT. It's my personal favorite. It's just the one I like, the New Living Translation. The New King James Version, it's, it's, they came along and they took the King James and kind of modernized it a little bit. And then there's the ESV. It's, it's a new it's a word by word, a word for word translation. It's called the English Standard Version. To me, it's probably the most accurate translation, but it's a very dry translation because they literally took word for word of it. But it, for me, that's the four I would look at. You can look at different ones. That's those the four I would look at. Read them. You say, how do I know? Well, amazing thing. Go download the Uversion app. Read some different versions. See which one you like the flow of the best. Because if you don't understand what you're reading, you're not going to keep reading it. (laughs) So with all due respect to your great-grandmother who passed away and you got her King James Version of the Bible that spoke to her and it's full of her notes and was prayed over in this amazing piece that you should keep. I have my granny's Bible downstairs. I got emotional the other day looking at it. My grandmother loved purple. It was a purple Bible. I forgot that I even had it. With all due respect to granny, if you start reading that version of the Bible, you're not going to understand it. And if you can't understand it, how can it speak to you? you say, Gary, it seems real simple. I'm just trying to be simple today. Simple, simple, simple. We're going to pick a translation. The second thing we're going to do because then the food matters at the table. You've got to choose a time, place, and plan to study. The plan only works if you have a plan. <laughs> so many of you attack life with no plan. How are you going to attack this book with no plan? It's impossible. You've got to have some intentionality to your life. shared with you guys, my wife and I have been going through some things. I shared with you that about a month and a half ago. Things are going good now, but you know what the main reason why things are going good? Because we're being intentional. There's intentionality in that. I'm intentional when she comes home now to have nothing but a leather thong on for her. (laughs) To spice it up a little bit. We've eliminated excuses. We don't have time to go on a date. Yeah, we do. We've got time to do whatever else we want to do. We've got time for that. We don't we have time to communicate intentionality. We have a plan. When you open the Word of God, when you decide you're going to read, I'm telling you, if you do not have a plan, you will not follow through with it. It's impossible. Something I don't like plans. No, you're as undisciplined. It's so vital when it comes to reading the Word of God to have a consistent time that you do it and a consistent place. 
It doesn't matter where you do it. It doesn't matter what time that you do it. But you better make sure they're consistent. For me, when my best Bible time is going on, it is normally right when I get to my office. I get up, we go to the gym, we have breakfast, see the kids off, I drive in, and before I open up emails, before I jump on social media, it's when I open my Bible and read it. And Christine can tell you when my time with God is good and when my time with God is not good. When I'm doing those things, it's intentional. When I get busy and it's my busy time of season, I say, man, I'll get to that later. I hardly ever get to it because I find a thousand other things to do. So what I'm telling you is this seems really practical today. You've got to find a time. I, I would encourage you to somewhat make sure it's the start of your day. I, I don't know why there's no super magic power in that, but to me, when I start my day focused on God, it's game-changing. When I get up, I told you, I'm one of those people that get up instantly and I'm up, boom, and I'm balls to the wall the minute I'm up. I mean, I'm up every light in the house on, music on, so I, I get up, I turn all the lights on, she's mad as can be, and I'm like, hey, Google, play worship music. And it's amazing when I do that, when worship music starts, and I hate worship music, to be honest with you, but when I start my day with a focus on God, it's amazing how it changes my day. You say, what do you mean by having a plan? What I mean is you better have a plan to study the Word of God. Go back again to version. I'm telling you, if you do not download version, you are missing out. There doesn't matter what subject you're dealing with. Forgiveness, there's thousands of Bible studies that just walk you. They'll send you a reminder to your phone every day. Don't forget, click on it, boom. Here's the verse, here's the commentary on it. I mean... Like plans written by some of the greatest theologians out there and some of the greatest preachers out there and then just some of the greatest average people around that just wrote Bible studies. Marriage, forgiveness, reconciliation, finances, leadership, career, purpose. You can't find a subject that there's not a plan for free. I mean, good Lord, it will spoon feed your lazy butt every day. Don't forget day two, notification to your phone. But that's the problem. We had access to this like never before, and we take it for granted. Got to have a time of place study. You know, the great thing about it is because everything's like this. If you want to, if you don't, you don't have to. You can actually make it public, and so other people can follow you, and they can go through the studies with you. I don't do any of that because I don't like people. I keep all my stuff super private. All my social media is wide open. My, my U version's private I, between me and God. But I don't think you're wrong if you want to do it with other people. There's just power in it. Figure out a plan. Stick with the plan. Some of you, you might not have time. Text to read the Bible, but you're in your car an hour every day driving to work, man. You know what version has? The audio Bible. Now what's your excuse? I left Canton, Georgia at 5 o'clock Friday night to go to College Park. My little brother was playing football. Thought we would be there in about 50 minutes because at 1 o'clock I wasted it. And at 1 o'clock it told me it would take me 51 minutes to get there. We pulled up at 6.57, almost two hours. I was with Bubba, I was with John, you can ask. I must have said this out something because I, I, I can't comprehend it. 
How do people do this every day? How do people sit in this every single day? But if I sit in every single day, you know what I'd probably have to do? Flip on that Bible. You say, well, I think it loses me. Are you crazy? The Bible says the word of God will not return void. It loses no power when you audibly hear it or whether you read it. The point is get the Bible in your life. You just have excuses. I don't understand the Bible. You don't want to understand the Bible. So just be honest. I'm just trying to find the answers. No, you're not, because here's the answers. You're just waiting for the latest guru to write something. What's Tony Robbins got to say? I love Tony Robbins, but Tony Robbins ain't God. We watched that Tony Robbins documentary the other day. It was awesome. And throughout the whole documentary, I said, well, that's in Exodus. Oh, well, he's talking about it's in Luke. And I think it's genius. He's taking biblical principles and teaching them to people. They don't even realize he's teaching them the Bible. He's so smart. No, he just got in the Bible. The answer's to all of it's right there. It's always funny to me when the church comes out against someone like someone that literally I saw a preacher and they said, Tony Robbins and his positive thinking. The Bible says a man thinks so he is. The Bible talks about the power of positive thinking, you idiot. I mean, dear brethren. I'm trying to help you today. Super practical, I get it. I promise if you're a first-time guest, it's not normally this dry. But I want to tell you this. Though it's dry, this might be the most life-changing message you ever hear because this is the message that will help you no matter what other issue you're facing because it'll get you in the book. We're going to pick a version. We're going to pick a time, place, study. Then we're going to understand the context. We're going to understand the context. This is important. Remember what I said about the Bible? It's written by so many different people on so many different continents to so many different people. It's it's a collection of poetry, prophecies, poems, histories, biographies, written by people who were inspired by God. Yet they all make one story. But you've got to understand the context of what you're reading. If you do not understand the context of what you're reading, it's easy to... Take it out of context. God forbid the church would never do that. The church actually treats the word of God like a buffet. I'm going to pull this verse over here, and I'm going to say it means this, but if you take it in its context, it doesn't mean that. You can make this book say whatever you want it to say, and preachers do it all the time. you got to understand the context. So you got to ask some questions, if you will, when you're doing that. you got to understand. So there's, a, there's a, a book in the New Testament, Philemon, Philemon, Philemon. And I've heard a hundred different people say his name. It's one of Paul's shortest letters. Now, if you were to read it, you might not understand it because, you know, it actually talks a lot about slavery in that book. And the Bible talks a lot about slavery, and there was a lot of slaves. That was the day and time people owned slaves. And so a lot of people read it, and they don't understand the context of the verse. They don't understand the concept or the context of the letter. So I thought just for fun, it'd be fun just to read through it. Volume 1, it says, Paul, 
So that, I like that. So you understand the context. Paul, I'm, I'm showing you how simple it is to break down. This isn't anything earth-shattering today. I'm showing you the context. So Paul, he's identifying himself. So who wrote this? Boom, context, Paul. This is important. A prisoner of Christ Jesus. Do you know this is one of the only places he identifies himself that normally when Paul is writing a letter, he identifies himself as an apostle of Christ. A rank, a title, a person, a position. But you've got to understand something. I'm going to break it down. There's a reason why he identifies himself as a prisoner. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, and Timothy, our brother. So Timothy's with him. So are we understanding the context? Paul. He's in prison. He's a prisoner of Christ. He identifies it. Why did he identify it? We're going to get to it in a minute. He's saying Timothy's with him to find Lehman, our dear friend and fellow worker. Lehman was a very wealthy man. He was a very prestigious man. He was a man of great influence who ran one of the local churches out of his home. You've got to understand something here. Paul's about to put a big ask on him. And because he's about to put a big ask on him, He doesn't want to identify himself as an apostle in a way where he's overlording Philemon. He knew that wouldn't set well with the man of influence's ego. So he humbles his own self to put himself title-wise underneath him. It's just me, Paul, a prisoner. And I like how he butters him up. That's a preacher in him right there, boy. Man, my dear friend. Because he knows he's about to ask something pretty big. He said, I'm writing you this letter. My dear friend, my fellow worker. And what he's about to tell him is, is that Paul's run into somebody while he's in prison. I can never pronounce the guy's name, so I just call him Big O. You know, if you know me, I'm redneck. I don't know how to pronounce biblical names. So he runs this guy, and this guy's a slave. He's a slave on the run. He's an escaped slave who had stolen something from somebody. Guess who he had stolen it from? Philemon. He runs to Rome. He meets Paul. As you're reading this, I don't have time to read all. You will see that Paul leads him to Jesus. He leads him to Jesus. So now Big O is a changed man. He is now under grace. Now in this day, the slave was to be returned to its owner and probably killed for disobedience. So Paul tells me, he says, I'm fixing to send Big O back to you. My good friend, my fellow worker, Now, here's the deal. Paul could have come to him and said, it's me, Paul, the apostle. I'm telling you how to receive him back. But he didn't. He humbled himself. He said, my dear friend, my fellow worker, I want you to receive him. He said, I want you to receive him back. Now, remember, he had a right to receive him back and kill him, punish him. I want you to receive him back not as a slave, but as an equal. It's a big ask. 
So you've got to understand the context, see? You're asking questions here. You're reading it. You're slowing down instead of just reading it. Okay, Paul's writing it. He's doing this. I calls him dear friend. I wonder why he calls him dear friend. You get The wording matters. Why did he identify himself as a prisoner? He said, how would you know that he only identified? Well, if you read those things, you would know he normally identifies himself as an apostle. See, the more you read, the more you learn. Knowledge is power. And then he butters him up at the end. So that was the middle of it. And at the end, he butters him up more. Look what he says to him. Paul, slick boy. He says, by the way, I, I don't know if he's being sincere here or if he's just laying it on thick, trying to get what he wants. He says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. I'm asking you to take him back as an equal. I know he stole from you. I know you have a right to punish him. But I'm going to send him back to you because it's the right thing to do. But I want you to receive him back as equal now. He goes, just remember, buddy, and I'm always praying for you. When I needed Jason to build that table, it's like, hey, buddy. Now, listen, remember, you know me, I don't talk to my neighbors. I had to butter Jason up. Well, I bet, man, that's a nice table you got over in your house, Jason. I ain't even seen Jason's table. Christine showed me some pictures. I didn't pay attention. I'm lying, Christine handled that whole deal. I'm just lying. But I'm saying, but that's how it would have worked. I'd have buttered him up. He said, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Look what he said. Well, how do you, like, he's about to butter him and say, how are you going to come back and kill him? Because I'm about to say what I hear about you. Because I always hear about your love for his holy people. He said, man, I always hear about your love for people. <laughs> Buttering him up. Saying, man, you've got to take him back as an equal because I hear about your love for people. If you don't take it back as that, that means what I've heard ain't true. I don't even know if Paul's heard that. He said, Paul's a liar. I said, no, I think Paul's just a preacher. <laughs> I hear about your love for all his holy people. I do this, I, listen, I do this to Yvonne all the time, Yvonne. I know you don't want no one to go hungry around here. I know it's 10.30 at night, but his family called and they need some food. I, I, I know your heart. I don't, you don't want them to go hungry. I'll go get them food. I'm just burn them up, son. But I hear about your love for his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. And then he says, your love has given me great Joy and encouragement because your brother have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. See the power in what he's saying? He, you got to understand the context. The context, he's buttering him up because he's about to put a big ask on him. When you understand the context, it makes it come alive. So, well, how do I understand the context? Download you version. I look today. There's 23 three different Bible studies for free on there that explain just the history of this book of the Bible. I clicked on seven of them today. Not a one of them was more than three pages long. I read all seven of them this morning in 10 minutes. What I'm telling you is you don't got to be a Bible scholar to find out information. Just do some research on the context. As I understood the context better, I understand the verses better. As I understand the verses better, it comes alive to me better. I didn't, everything I just told you, I didn't tell you because I'm smart. I'm telling you because I read it in a new version this morning. It ain't comp. If I can learn the Bible, you can learn the Bible. 
But you got to understand the concept, context. Maybe Paul was being very sincere. Maybe it's just buttering up. I don't know. But when you understand the context, you begin to ask questions. And that's the fourth thing I want you to know about studying the Bible. Read slowly and ask questions. Read slowly and ask questions. I don't care if you only read 10 verses. Read them slowly and ask questions. Have your pad, notebook pad, and as you see stuff and you understand it, Doug Knight came up to me and they said, I got a question for you. Got a Bible question for you. I said, well, I'll try to answer it. He threw out a question. I said, well, there's two different theories on that. Bam, bam. I said, who knows? People have been arguing about them forever. I guess we'll find out the answer when we get to heaven. I said, both arguments make a lot of sense. He said, well, thank you so much. See, I love that he was asking questions. See, I normally taught you just to read the Bible and not worry about it. No, 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 that's not enough. We need to get in the Bible. Because the table's important and we're serving food here. This has the ability to change your life. That's the problem. Well, let, me, let me hurt some of your feelings real quick. That's the problem when someone else preaches right here and you gripe. You're looking at the man teaching instead of what's being taught. If you were getting in the Word of God and hearing the Word of God, the truth from the Word of God, the Word of God is powerful and it changes your life. I shouldn't have to get up here and entertain you with my sexy looks and great sense of humor and great storytelling ability for you to be into the Word of God. That's just an added bonus around here. We're going to read slowly and we're going to ask questions. I've heard, and I, I'm only using this because there's many different ways to ask questions, but I've heard this and I've always used it. Has anybody ever heard of the spec method? Like a speck in your eye, a speck method? S-P-E-C-K. What's real simple? Here's some questions you could ask. As you read the scripture, I don't care if you just read three. Ask number one, is there any sin to be avoided? As I'm reading this, is there God telling me there's something I shouldn't be doing in my life? The Bible says to him knoweth good and do it not, it is sin. How do you know what sin is? If you know not to do it and you do it, it's sin. So is there God telling me anything in here that I need to avoid? Is there a promise to be claimed? When all these get done, y'all take a picture of this. This is good stuff. I didn't write it. I stole it. Is there a promise to be claimed? Is there an example to follow? It's a book full of people just like us who live their life. Is there an example to follow? These are questions I'm asking. Is there a command to obey? Here's what you'll find out about God. God is not a God of suggestions. He's a God of commands. So if there's a command in what you're reading, you better apply it to your life. Now, I know you new modern parents... When you tell your kids to go do something, it's a suggestion. That's why you tell them seven times. Christine, how many times do they get told in our home? I wish I could take credit for that, but I cannot. That is a Christine thing. Them kids know. People say, I just can't get my kids to listen. No, 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 because you let your kid be the CEO of the house. Oh, that ain't even part of today's message. I'm sorry. Hmm. Is there a command to obey? And then lastly, is there something to know about God? And what I just read, is there some kind of characteristic of God that I need to know? To That's the spec message. S-P-E-C-K. I'm just giving you the questions to ask. It's not the only questions you can ask. I'm just trying to keep it practical today, okay? Again, not an exciting message, I understand, but life-changing. This is a message that I would encourage you, and I never say this. Go download the podcast. 
because I think we only keep 10 weeks up at a time, go download the podcast that waits on your phone where you can go back and listen to it because this book will change your life. Read slowly and ask questions. What questions? Here's some questions to ask. Okay, we're done right here. We are then going to pray for God to speak to us and apply what he shows us. Every time I open the word of God, speak to me today, God. But it's not enough just to read it. It's not enough to be a hearer of the word. The Bible says we've got to be doers of the word. That's the problem with the church today. You hear the word of God taught, you listen to it on Sunday and feel better about yourself like you, you completed your religious duty and you apply nothing to your life and wonder why your life does not change. Oh, by the way, I preached every week and do the same thing. I don't apply it to my life, and when I don't apply it to my life, it doesn't go good. When I apply it to my life, it changes my life. Knowledge without action is worthless. You think you know all the answers because you got on TikTok and heard some freaking dude with a microphone give you some marriage advice. And this book is the ultimate TikTok. Read two or three verses a day and see how it changes your life, but go through the method. We're going to ask God to speak to us. Look what he says here, Philemon. He says, therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. He's letting me I could tell you what to do. I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is, it is, it is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner in Christ, that I appeal to you. He said, I'm just a... I'm just coming to you as a friend. You ever had a situation like that? I've had situations like that where I come to people and be like, here's how it's going to go down, whether you like it or not. But I don't get a lot very far that way. I might get what I want, but I ruin a relationship in the process. Paul said, I'm just coming to you, asking you, man, bring big O back. Bring, bring him back. Love on him. He's a changed man now. And look what he says. Formerly, Big O was useless to you. But now he's become useful both to you and me. He said, I'm appealing to you because now he's a changed man and he's beneficial to us and we're beneficial to him. Iron sharpens iron. And he said, I'm telling you what I want you to do and I'm asking you to apply it to your life. This book is useless if you don't apply what you read. You might not like what you read, but it will change your life. Because here's the reality. Everybody here wants to live their best life. How many of you are married? How many of you are in a long-term relationship? You're married, blah, 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 blah. I didn't see your hands. I was looking down at my flip-flops. Raise your hands again. Put your hands down. How many of you want your relationship to be the best that it can be? 100%. How many of you want to be in a miserable marriage? I didn't say how many of you are in a miserable marriage. Listen, don't raise your hand. Listen carefully. Guess what? You've looked everywhere else. Why don't you look to see what the Word of God has to say about it? How many of you want to raise your children where they can be productive members of society? Did you know the goal in parenting is to raise your children to leave? That's the goal. What's the goal in parenting? For their butts to leave. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. We're raising our kids to stay forever. They don't even know how to function in life. 
We went to my son's college game yesterday, Jacksonville State, and I just, and I, I get it. I get it that our parents did the same thing when we were there. I walked around and said, is this the future? Like, I watched college kids with cattails and cat ears who thought they were animals walking around. It was weird. I don't, that's the future? I love my son, but I look at my son, and I'm like, that's the future? We in trouble. <laughs> but the Bible says, raise up a child in the way he should go, when he's old, he will not depart from it. It's our responsibility to raise our children in the way he should go. What's the way they should go? The Word of God. Here's the best parenting advice I could ever give you. Get into the Bible and see what it says about raising your children. Y'all are getting parent advice from TikTok, from Facebook, from Instagram. And you wonder why it don't work. Your kids are terrors and no one wants to be around you. You just hurt my feelings. I don't give a crap. I'm telling you the truth. It ain't my job to be your buddy. It's my job to speak truth to you. You know why you can't find fulfillment in your career? Because you don't understand what the Bible says about fulfillment. Purpose. You know why you have financial troubles? Because you don't understand what the Bible says about managing your finances. Do you know the Bible talks more about money than it talks about any subject? The Bible lays out how you should handle your money. The problem is when you hear a preacher talk about it, all you think about is always oh, he's worried about me giving. I don't give two rips for you giving. That's between you and God. I've never met a broke giver, though, I'll tell you that. I ain't got nothing to do with that. The Bible, tells you, the Bible has a lot to say about debt, managing your money, planning. But you want to listen to how the world talks about spending money. You're trying to keep up with the Joneses, but you can't keep up with the Joneses because you ain't the Joneses. We live in a very nice neighborhood. I love our neighborhood. I didn't know that we had a parent of a kid on my son's team who also lives in our neighborhood. Because I, again, I don't know my neighbors. I know my neighbors. I don't know anybody else in the neighborhood. My neighbors should be blessed that I know them. I, I, I have a one-house limit radius. Okay? I didn't know this guy lives in the back of the neighborhood. God, I hope he's not watching this. But if you are, you came across as arrogant that day. I'm sorry. I'm at football press, and he's talking about his seven cars. Seven cars. And all of a sudden, he starts talking about my wife's car. It kind of creeped me out a little bit. Well, how do you know what my wife drives? He's like, yeah, our car's not as loud. I'm like, who is this guy? And he's talking about, he just put, I, God, I don't want to get in so much trouble for this one. How much his garage doors were? I'm like, oh, this guy is very proud of himself. I still had no clue who he was. Then all of a sudden, he said something about where he lives. He's like, yeah, I drive by your house every day. I'm like, stalker, what do you mean you drive by my house every day? Turns out he lives in my neighborhood. He's a very successful, he told me the company he owns. Everybody here would know the company he owns if you live in Canton. Very successful guy. He should be proud that he's successful. Here's the deal. Just because we live in the same neighborhood, we ain't got the same level of success. I try to keep up with him, we're going to be in bad shape. We ain't going to have nothing. He's at a whole other level in that area than me. But the problem is a lot of you will try to keep up with him. I wasn't impressed with him. He's a nice guy. I'm a redneck, so I always go down and I'm like, well, I could whoop his tail, so who cares how much money he's got? My son could beat his son up, so who cares, you know? You say, that's not the way to think. I didn't say it was the way to think. I said, I'm just telling you how I think. Remember, God, God uses messed up people. Say, what's the point of that story? The point of the story is this. The Bible tells you how to manage your finances and how not to beat up your neighbors. 
actually said you're supposed to love your neighbors. So I wouldn't beat them up. See? When you get in the Bible, you change man. <laughs> See how that works? Change man. My point is, you've got to get in the Bible. What's the table? If the only, how many of you only eat one time a week? Mm-hmm. But you do it here with the Word of God. You only get fed on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. I'm like a two-star chef. You ain't even getting good food. You eating once a week? No wonder your, your faith is weak. You're only weak once a week? No wonder your relationships are bad. No wonder your marriage is bad. No wonder your finances are bad. No wonder your purpose is bad. No wonder your whatever's lacking. Because you've got everything and anything guiding you with the Word of God. You could have the best preacher. I personally think one of the greatest Bible teachers who ever lived, we were so blessed to live here in Georgia, who we got access to him until the time was Charles Stanley. He was amazing. Nobody could teach the Word of God like Charles Stanley. But here's the deal. If you only got Charles Stanley on Sunday morning, one time a week, you'd go hungry. I could bring a five-star chef in here and feed you the best meal in the world, but if that's the only meal you ate all week, man, you're going to be unhealthy. You're unhealthy. Because you're operating like babies. You want someone to feed you instead of feeding yourself. Get in the Word of God and it'll change your life. Apply what you read and it will change your life. Boring and long today, but life-changing, I promise you. Let's pray.